0: We love America, right? No brainer. You love it. I love it. I love where we came from. I love where we're going. But right now, to be honest, uh, we got a problem. I'm not too fond of America as it is right now. Stupid, depraved, and rather sick. I'm going to focus on three items right now that are corroding our country. That is crime. That is a ludicrous conversation about gender and education. Just three. We could go on and on. First, crime. You know what happened starting a year ago, how we canceled cops, delegitimized them, stigmatized them. Should we be surprised at all that we're seeing what we're seeing now? Horrendous crime spikes. And in the past couple of days, these murders are becoming grislier and grislier. Take a look at this guy, a rapper shot. His name is KTS Dre in Chicago, 31 years old shot 65 times. Here's a guy, Indian Red Boy, also known as Zarel Rivera, 21 years old in Hawthorne. He was shot as he was live streaming on Instagram here in New York. J Ron J Rip Elliott, just 13 years old. He was a gang member. He was shot over the weekend. Gang violence, it's believed that he was absolutely targeted. You know, Barack Obama was onto something back when he had strength, bravery, or maybe he was just trying to con us. But he talked about the absence of black fathers in the African-American community. Too many absent fathers. Not all, of course, and every community suffers from this, but more so in the African-American community. And that leads to things like higher dropout rates, higher incarceration rates. We can go on. The violence has been never ending, it seems, Take a look at this. These two kids, they were shot along with that 13-year-old J-Ron I told you about. Uh, these kids a little bit older in the same gang fight up in the Bronx. Uh, Ramon Gil Madrano, 16 years old. Ty Swish, 19 years old. Then we have Shaquille Walker, a three-year-old boy in Buffalo, New York, came out to see the fireworks. So He wasn't involved, of course, but someone fired a gun. He was killed. Justin Wallace, 10 years old, from Queens, New York. This is happening all the time, and our so-called leaders don't seem to care. The increase in crime, they're treating it like it's the weather, but you could have predicted it like a clock, okay? Take a look at these numbers when you compare where we were just a short time ago. Here in New York City is perhaps, uh, gosh, it's very close to home, of course. I see it firsthand. This situation is out of control. So... We know, you know, the far left, Democrats, they set the conditions for this to happen. So what are they coming up with? The most anemic non-solutions ever. Joe Biden hosted a summit of sorts on crime. You think Joe Biden has any unique ideas, compelling ideas on how to fight crime? And nobody at the table was equipped to find the solutions. It was pathetic. But we're going through the motions. Joe Biden... um, It's kind of fitting that's happening on his watch because he perpetuated urban myths during the campaign that were just untrue and
1: so dishonest. I never had to tell my daughter if she's pulled over, make sure she puts for a traffic stop, put both hands on top of the wheel and don't reach for the glove box because someone may shoot you. But a black parent, no matter how wealthy or how poor they are, has to teach their child when you're walking down the street, don't have a hoodie on when you go across the street. Making sure that you, in fact, if you get pulled over, just yes, sir, no, sir, hands on top of the wheel. Uh,
0: such terrible pandering. And by the way, Joe, everybody is supposed to pay attention to the cops when we get pulled over. And everybody gets a little bit nervous, they do. We need a civil society, we need a safe society, and rapidly we're losing that. We are losing that, as our culture, though, really does very little about it. So still focused on issues of gender. Have you noticed, right, you can't get away from it, especially transgender and what is transgender and the right pronouns and all that kind of stuff. It is a great big giant waste of time, and I thought Peter Thiel nailed it. Do you know Peter Thiel? He was an early Trump supporter. He also invented PayPal. He also was an early investor in uh, Facebook. And actually, I think it's somewhat relevant. He happens to be—he um, happens to be gay. Here's a point he made at the 2016 Republican National Convention. When I was a kid, the great debate was about how to defeat the Soviet Union, and we won. Now we are told. Now we are told that the great debate is about who gets to use which bathroom. This is a distraction from our real problems. Who cares? I thought that was a great moment. Who cares? And it is a distraction. And when he was growing up, yes, folks were focused on big things like getting to the moon. But uh, somehow people still care, or at least the culture is still consumed with issues of gender and promoting transgender and aberrant behavior as if it should be the norm. The act is called Desmond is Amazing. Desmond is not amazing. Desmond is rather vulgar and talentless. At least this performance suggests no talent whatsoever.
2: You're one of the youngest and first drag queen slash kids.
3: And I've heard,
1: I've heard that you've gotten messages
2: from young adults who look up to you for being who you are. What are some of the notes you've gotten?
4: Some of the notes I've gotten are like that. You inspire me very much, and I wish I could have had the support that you have.
0: What about that audience, huh? Does the audience really like that stuff? It's interesting how they just go along. Did somebody hold up an applause sign, and everybody's whooping and hollering? This is, um, this is aberrant. This is, I don't think this should be celebrated. Not when you're 11. Gender dysphoria, by the way, is a disorder. Gender dysphoria refers to psychological distress that results from an incongruence between one's sex assigned at birth and one's gender identity. According to the American Psychiatric Association, this is a disorder, at least it was, up until a few minutes ago. Uh, Yet we celebrate it like it's um, more than acceptable, like this is a better way to be, almost. And it's not. At least it shouldn't be. In my opinion. Now to education, (laughs) that teachers union, some of them as bad as we thought.
4: Mark my words, our union will defend any member who gets in trouble for teaching honest history. We have a legal defense fund ready to go and we are preparing for litigation as we speak.
0: Honest history, honest history, what she's getting at projects like the 1619 project for the new york times you've heard about this and nicole hannah jones this is junk this is junk history uh it's been disproven it has no merit whatsoever they're trying to say that uh, america was founded because the founding fathers wanted to have a country where they could let slavery flourish that's why we bolted from england Now, any respectable historian in the country has said this is nonsense, but this revisionist history, they're trying to push it, push it big time. And it's been embraced by the teachers union. You just saw that. Folks, this is a dark time. But we can prepare ourselves, we can push back, and we got to be smart about it. This is beyond uh, making fun of political correctness. I want to recommend a book that I think is fabulous and it may take uh, some time to get through. It's called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds by Michael Knowles. And it, uh, it's a bit of a history lesson on how we got here and what we can do next. Here is a chunk. Uh, Let's take a look. Lazy liberals of the left and right parrot slogans about the marketplace of ideas without ever taking seriously the radicals' complaint that someone sets and enforces the rules of the market. Uh, They don't even inquire into the providence of that phrase, which entered into the American mind in 1953 through a concurring opinion written by the infamous sophist William O'Douglas in United States versus Rumley. Here again, one sees the trap of political correctness which posits a false dichotomy between accepting radical new standards or abandoning standards altogether. Either way, political correctness achieves its purpose of overthrowing traditional society. All right. It's not exactly Nelson DeMille. I I had to read it a couple of times, and this is a book you study. You don't necessarily plow through. But these kinds of projects, I think, are worth it because this fight is a bit more complex than we realize. A lot of conservatives, as President Trump said at CPAC, think it's all about fighting over who gets on the Supreme Court and policy differences. No. This is much broader. It pervades the culture, political correctness, and books like this, I think, it help. Our founding fathers, they set out a great, great document. Uh, but I feel it's being undermined. You know it, I know it. You know what's interesting? The folks in Cuba right now, what they are doing, all the stuff that is coming here in America that's in its early stages, well, it's been flourishing a lot of it in Cuba for a long time. And look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. It's actually, in its own way, inspiring. We'll be right back. And you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson. You get daily news, insightful commentary, and, believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast.
1: All, All I can say is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news
0: just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get, it, get it, do, do they? they? <laughs> they don't it. If somebody tells you, oh, the fake news, they're not so bad, they're not so fake, they're not so biased, just give them one name. Ted Kennedy, the late senator from Massachusetts, huh? Ted Kennedy. You know, um, Ted Kennedy, he killed a person. He really did. Yet, he went on to run for president, and his endorsement was actually coveted by Barack Obama. They became pretty good friends, I'm told, yes. And uh, the crowd went wild when Ted Kennedy endorsed Barack Obama back in 2008.
1: I have come here tonight... To stand with you, to change America, to restore its future, to rise to our best ideals, and to elect Barack Obama president of the United States.
0: The fact that this guy could show his face in public, I think, is one of the strongest indictments of the fake news. He killed a person. He did. Mary Jo Kopechny, a young woman in her 20s. Uh, in a car, a passenger of Ted Kennedy, who may have been drunk, who knows. He drove into that creek there at and she drowned, and he swam for it. And then he walked to the safety of his hotel room. Hmm? Here he is the next morning, clean, dry, hasn't yet told the cops what happened. Here he is with a neck brace at her funeral sometime later. What the hell happened that night? We'll probably never know. It's all in July of 1969. You know, the 52nd anniversary is coming up. Kennedy luck. It's almost always eclipsed by the anniversary of the moon landing. Kennedy was able to actually run for president, even against an incumbent president of his own party. He ran in 1980. Came pretty close, actually, to knocking out Jimmy Carter. So... If anybody ever says that uh, the media, they're not really biased. No, just think of Ted Kennedy and that his endorsement after all those years was still desired by Barack Obama. And then remember Mary Jo Kopechny, left in that car to drown by Teddy Kennedy. So you want to know how to make it big in the beltway? Lie a lot like this journalist right here, so-called journalist Michael Bender. He wrote a book about Trump, another one that's full of lies And he goes for a totally over-the-top one. President Trump said nice things about Adolf Hitler. It's ridiculous. Now, I know he's a liar. By the way, in this book, he tells the Charlottesville lie that Donald Trump said that neo-Nazis and white supremacists were very fine people. Remember that? It's been repeated so many times. It's in this book. What does he leave out, though? What President Trump said that day, he wasn't talking about the Nazis and the skinheads and the
1: white supremacists. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally.
0: (sighs) The Charlottesville lie. That's the truth. And everyone in the fake news continues to tell the Charlottesville lie. This is also in the book, and another reason why I don't believe anything he says, especially about Hitler. Remember the Juneteenth uh, situation? Two days after announcing his rally, Trump turned to a Secret Service agent who was black and asked him about Juneteenth. Yes, the agent told Trump, I know what it is, and it's very offensive to me that you're having this rally on Juneteenth. Folks, on its surface, I can tell you this is a big whopper of a lie. First of all, listen to how Barack Obama spent his Juneteenths while in office. As
2: I've said, uh, Angela and I don't exactly look like previous German and American leaders. (laughs) At the White House, he had uh, the old Bulls theme song, and it set a very high bar, as if I was Michael
0: Jordan coming out. President Trump, I'm sorry, President Obama cracked jokes on Juneteenth. He didn't do anything to commemorate it other than putting out a paper statement on Juneteenth. So we're supposed to believe this, that a Black Secret Service agent told Donald Trump that he found it offensive. Let me see that quote again, that he found it offensive that the president was having a rally on Juneteenth. I simply don't believe it. I don't believe it. And I said so on the show, and I'm saying it now. The author of this book, he responds to me. He says, oh, why didn't you reach out to me? Take a look at this. Had Greg Kelly USA reached out before accusing me of lying, I could have pointed him to the year-old interview transcript where Trump himself first told me the story about how he changed his Juneteenth rally after speaking to one of his Black Secret Service agents. Well, yeah, you are a liar. Why would I contact you if you're willing to lie? This is the Bible. This is what they're all going for. Uh, This is a flawed book, a flawed movie uh, about Nixon, Watergate, all that stuff. And it's full of falsehoods. Here's a big doozy of one. Deep Throat and how Woodward would signal Deep Throat with a red flag on a balcony. This is, my friends, fiction. It's total fiction. I've actually stood on that balcony and there is absolutely no way in the world that the deputy director of the FBI was going up that alley to take a look at that flag. It's impossible. And they know it's impossible. They know it didn't happen. They sexed it up, having no idea that anyone would be reading the book 50 years later. But who cares? Because they got a movie out of it. And (laughs) some of the biggest actors in the world actually played Woodward and Bernstein, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. That's what they want. Money and fame and all the stuff that goes with it. What a silly game. The truth does not motivate them. All right, folks, now this. Black lives do matter, but not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. All lives matter. Black lives do matter, including the life of 18-year-old Miles Thompson, shot and killed Thursday on the west side of Chicago. He would have been, today would have been his 19th birthday. He has two younger brothers and a younger sister who say he was their role model. Thompson was on his way to visit his dad early in the morning when someone shot him several times in the chest He was found unresponsive in an alleyway right next to his father's house when his younger brother went out to look for him. I told my dad that um, Miles was out there sleeping, and he said, "Um, go check on him. I saw blood. I ran inside. I told my dad, go downstairs. Miles is out there, and he's not asleep. He didn't hang out on the west side. He didn't
5: know anybody on the west side.
0: Thompson was a 2020 high school graduate and got a scholarship to play football at St. Ambrose University in Iowa. Family says he was well-liked, had no enemies so far, no arrests. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas joins us, a man in the news in a big way lately. We'll be right back. Thank you, Governor. Look at all those Texas Democrats having a grand old time, skirting out, skipping their responsibilities as legislators because they don't want to vote for this uh, this bill that could shape up voting in Texas. It's pretty wild. There is now technically some sort of warrant out for their arrest. Take a look at this.
3: The sergeants at arms and any officers appointed by him are directed to send for all absentees who, whose attendance is not excused for the purpose of securing and maintaining their attendance under warrant of arrest, if
0: necessary. Members, under the rules, while the House is under a call, any member who wishes to leave the hall must have the written permission of the speaker. All right. Well, they're in trouble, sort of. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott, Republican of Texas, joins us. Governor, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Doing great, Greg. Great to be back again. So we've got, uh, technically, they're fugitives, What's going to happen realistically? I mean, could they be arrested by, uh, by a regular police officer? Uh, does it have to be uh, the sergeant-at-arms? How would this work? The way that it works is uh,
2: after, after what the House passed, that empowers the sergeant-at-at-arms to work with the Texas Department of Public Safety uh, to go out and arrest these members. The limitation, Greg, however, is that uh, the arrest has to be made with their presence in the state of Texas because the jurisdiction of the Texas Department of Public Safety ends at the state lines. That's exactly why the the Democrats fled to another state. They've done this before with redistricting in years past when they went to Oklahoma or New Mexico. Uh, This time they went to Washington, D.C. But here's what the Democrats know. They know that the minute they arrive back into the state of Texas, they're going to be getting a free escort to the Texas Capitol where they will be put to work to do the job, the job that the people who elected them to do.
0: All right. And here's the deal. This voting bill, uh, they can't win on this, right? So if if they're there, the Republicans are going to win. But since they're not there, they're just not enough to have a vote, right? Not enough for a, a quorum, I think you call it.
2: Well, let's be clear about this. Republicans are going to win anyway because the special special session lasts for 30 days. If they don't come back within that 30 days, I'll call another special session. If they don't come back during those 30 days, I'll call another special session. I'll keep calling special sessions all the way until the election next year. They're going to have to come back sometime, and they're going to have to face up uh, to what the voters put them in office to do, and that is to show up think about this. If you
0: didn't show up for your job, would you? They're, they're, they're fully stocked. And when they got on the plane, I think we have to point this out. Look, I think the mask thing is kind of ridiculous. The air on a plane is totally clean, but they're all on the plane. The rules are you got to wear a mask and no one's wearing a mask on the plane. Did you notice that? Uh, it, listen, not only
2: I, but everyone noticed it and pointed it out about the total hypocrisy of the Democrats because they are the ones who promote and mandate that people have to wear masks, including on places like airplanes, and yet when they jump on an airplane, nobody else has to. And also remember this, is the Democrats who say, oh, people shouldn't be required to
0: show an ID to go vote or something like that. So, we all love the United States Navy, right? Of course we do. But, but, looks like the Navy could have some big big problems. A new report commissioned by Republicans on Capitol Hill is a pretty devastating assessment about its readiness and priorities. Take a look. This is a page out of that report. And uh, yeah, political correctness seems to be a problem. Sailors increasingly see administrative and non-combat related training as the mission rather than the mission itself. Sometimes I think we care more about whether we have enough diversity officers than if we'll survive a fight with the Chinese Navy, lamented one lieutenant currently on active duty. It's a black woman. But you cut our ship open with a missile and we'll all bleed the same color. You've probably noticed by now that the entire country seems to be obsessed with wokeness. And unfortunately, that includes our military. We are joined by one of the co-authors of this report. He's retired Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery of the United States Navy. He is a senior director of the Center on Cyber and Technology Innovation at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Again, co-author of this report. And sir, welcome to Newsmax. How are you?
3: Thank you very much for having me, Greg. I'm great. So
0: how bad is it?
3: Well, we were... Um I would say I was most surprised at the perceptions that were held by the junior officers that were interviewed. I understood from my own career the underinvestment in surface warfare, the poorly resourced and executed surface ship maintenance programs had had a really corrosive effect on the ability of the surface Navy to do its mission. What surprised me was the uh, insightfulness of the uh, you know, nearly 100 officers we interviewed, and, and these were an hour long interviews, uh, officers enlisted mostly from the surface warfare community. So real deep kind of oral his, his, um, history interviews, and, and they came out with a clear feeling that there was an insufficient focus on warfighting, and it was driven by this underinvestment in training, poorly resourced maintenance, and over execution of administrative uh, uh, assignments at the, you know, at the loss of tactical training capabilities.
0: Now, what about wokeness? What about this? uh, We heard from that young officer concerned about an overemphasis on diversity. I'd like to play uh, a soundbite, please, from the Chief of Naval Operations. This is the, the top sailor, the guy, the top admiral in the Navy, speaking about critical race theory.
3: Sir, initially you mentioned critical race theory. I'm not a theorist I'm the Chief of Naval Operations. What I can tell you is factually, Based on a substantial amount of time talking to sailors in the fleet, there's racism in the Navy, just like there's racism in our country. And the way we're going to get after it is to be honest about it, not to sweep it under the rug and to talk about it. And that's what we're doing. And that's one of the reasons that book is on the list.
0: Talking about one of the uh, more controversial books on their reading list, I think it had something to do with white fragility. Um, Look, I served in the military. You served in the military. I didn't see it as a problem. I just didn't. Uh, and it, it wasn't a thing that came up in conversation. Granted, we're both Caucasian, but I don't think we're blind. Just your experience, sir. Is it a problem?
3: I, I did not see that as a problem. Um, I, I'll also say that in this report, we didn't get any indication of that. Now, I will say the interviews were conducted uh, over 2020 uh, before this this. Uh, specific critical race theory issue kind of popped into the, in, into the, in the, came out in the popular culture and, um, and before any changes to the CNO's reading list, I, I will give you one irony, which is that I did not get a feeling reading all these interviews that anyone was reading the CNO's reading list. But um, I, I'll leave yeah. it to just say that that while our our uh, our surveys didn't reveal any discussion of this, their broader issue was just the paralyzing amount. Of administrative training, and I'll give you one other data point. You know, I, I've uh, interviewed a number of uh, foreign military officers and U.S. officers that served with foreign militaries. They just don't spend quite this much time, you know, kind of going through the administrative training, uh, you know, associated with stuff that should be done either at the initial session training at boot camp, or back in high school, or some other time. We but we do have a serious. Um, Phobia and commitment to this kind of training, and it needs to be moved out of the combat cycle. When a ship is on deployment, when a ship's getting ready for deployment, in its final training phases, it needs to be focused on warfighting. And you know, to the degree that the uh, senior officers of the Navy can control that, they need to to focus on warfighting.
0: Let's face it, uh, paperwork has always been part of the equation. This is a long-standing problem, correct? It is. I mean, this is built
3: up over time. You don't just come up with one administrative requirement. The numbers they have are literally in the in the hundreds, you know, the low hundreds of training events that a sailor will have to go to over a two or three year cycle. And I it just it's just become it's become overly demanding, and it's it's removed us from the principal reason that the taxpayer uh, pays for, and you know, parents and spouses commit their family yeah. members to which is to fight the ship.
0: All right, I want to go through something that President Trump did when he was president. He visited the USS Gerald Ford, the newest aircraft carrier. We now know there are all kinds of problems with this ship. One of them is the catapult system. It's a new electromagnetic catapult system. Now, to a lot of folks watching, they might think, uh, well, so what? But. Here's the deal. For many, many years, it was a steam catapult system for all aircraft carriers. You see all the steam. You've seen it in the movies, right? Well, they got rid of the steam, and they're using this new system, which is kind of screwed up, quite frankly. And President Trump, just speaking at CPAC just the other day, really cut through all this stuff in a pretty unique way.
1: We built an aircraft carrier, and the aircraft carrier has All sorts of problems, it's the Gerald Ford. They throw the plane off, and they decide to do it through electric instead of steam, right? Catapult, it's called. So they have a catapult, and for 60 years it's been steam operated. They decide to do it, let's make it out of electric. I went to visit the ship, and I wasn't interested in seeing the Admiral. The Admiral said, sir, Admiral so-and-so, the thing's out to sea trials, it's not working. And I said, uh, Admiral, honestly, I think you're a wonderful man. Very good looking guy, actually. You like central casting, but I want to see the catapulters. (laughs) So I meet these five guys, real great guys. They're catapulters. How long have you been doing it, Jim? Sir, 21 years. I said, let me ask you, you have a problem with it? Absolutely, sir, it doesn't work. (laughs) Why? He said, because you, if it breaks... You have to go through graduate school at MIT to fix it. And with the steam, we had the same power or more, and we could fix it with a blowtorch and a hammer.
0: You know, I love that story. And take a look at these pictures. It really happened the way he described. He meets the admiral, and he wants to see the catapulters. He wants to see the deck crew. He meets the deck crew right away. I show that, number one, it's interesting that he can cut through the command noise. You know what it's like. The admirals will tell the boss, the commander-in-chief, one thing. The troops on the ground, the sailors on the ship will tell the boss something else if they can, or somebody like you on the outside that you can't get from the brass.
3: Uh, Well, we know I wasn't that admiral because of his description uh, of the good look. But uh, I will say that, um, look, the Ford class definitely has had some growing pains here. And I say this as I commanded a carrier strike group. I've been launched off a catapult, you know, uh, know, 40, 50, 60 times and different types of aircraft aircraft. I understand the value of steam catapults. I do understand why the Navy is trying to modernize and shift, Um, but what I will say is in the Navy's acquisition program across the Ford class, the DDG 1000 and the LCS, our last three surface ships that we've tried to build, um, we've really struggled with too much change in each ship class. And uh, I'm not sure that we've had the analysis properly done on the Ford, but I know the analysis from the D G 1000 and the LCS is we try to do too much at once. So there's some merit to, the, uh, to uh, President Trump's uh, criticisms, uh, but I also think it takes time to do this. And another thing the Navy did was not build in the right amount of of operational testing evaluation sure. time, something that my former boss, Senator McCain, also harked uh, upon uh, during numerous uh, congressional testimonies.
0: Well, that's something I like, though, about a, uh, a president who was a builder, who actually built things, and he can relate, and he can ask the right questions. appreciate you coming on Newsmax so much. Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery, U.S. Navy, retired. To be continued, sir, great report. Thank you, sir. All right, all the best. We'll be right back.
2: Powerful and impactful work, according to the gallery owner who will sell Hunter Biden's art this fall. Art critics aren't so sure. Well, it's not as
1: bad
3: as I might have thought.
2: Others have been tougher, one calling it hotel art. But the gallery says it values some of the first-time artists' paintings up to a half a million dollars.
3: You could get a work by Matisse or Degas for a similar amount of money.
2: How much of that is the name?
3: Almost all of it, I'd say.
2: The sale triggering criticism of a White House that touts itself as the most ethical administration in history.
0: Even the fake news giving the Bidens a hard time about this ridiculous arrangement with Hunter's artwork. Let's bring in Mark Simone, iHeart Radio talk show host, and Ellis Enikin, Dow Jones Market Watch columnist, New York Times best-selling author. Uh, Mark. Um, I can't believe they're still getting away with it, and uh, I think it's going to actually happen. Uh, he's going to be selling this stuff, and no one's going to know anything.
4: Yeah, it's a scam that started in the old payola days in radio when they weren't allowed to take the money anymore. They opened art galleries, and they'd sell these junk paintings, and you give them 10000 a painting. This guy, he can't even buy the junk paintings. He can make them himself and save that cost. And 500,000 is ridiculous. Hey, we've all been walking down the street in art gallery, unknown artists, and do so you see one really beautiful painting? How much is that? Oh, it's 25,000. It's 10,000. It's never 500,000. This is a payoff. It's a campaign. Noob. You know, if you give 500,000 the campaign, that you're one of those uh, bundlers. You're invited to the inaugural. This is a massive bribe. How, I, he, he, end story on the news, you know, when it was this guy's car lease at the Trump organization, that was breaking news in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. Right.
0: It was buried. Uh, look, I'll give them credit over there at NBC news. They did the story, but they buried it. It was at the very, very end. Ellis, this is uh, appalling. You got to admit this can't stand. Uh, I
5: would say mildly distasteful. Uh, I would say. I'm not <laughs> quite sure. It's the outrage that you guys are all revved up about. First of all, I can't pretend to explain the modern art market. I mean, there's a uh, Jean Michel who you may know, as a graffiti artist, just sold one for 110 million. So I, I don't know how Hunter Biden fits into that. Go figures. I guess it's whatever anybody wants to paper, right? They've set up a bunch of rules where it's like they're not really going to know who the thing is. The gallery owner is going to keep it secret. So I don't know. Listen, I wish the guy would put his paintbrush down, but it's not the biggest deal in the world.
0: Mildly (laughs) distasteful. Look, this is a way to get money. And we just had this email the other day where Hunter apparently is paying Joe's bills, everything from like, you know, serious home repair to his $190 a month cell phone bill. Mark, I I, I don't think this is a small matter. And it's amazing that it looks like it's going to go forward. At 51 years old, Hunter Biden, suddenly we find out he's a painter, $500,000 per painting. It's ludicrous.
4: Look at that thing. Half a million for that. He's going to sell so many of these. This will end up being $10, $20 million into the Biden family bank accounts. It's a disgusting Uh, You know, they they came up with this uh, system that they think will protect them. we will make the buyers anonymous. That makes it even worse. These are bribes. We don't want them done behind closed doors. Let us know who
0: it is. And you know what, Ellis, let's face it. A wink and a nod. Oh, you can. uh, You know, I have an art gallery. Oh, you do. You know, that kind of thing. This really. No, Ellis, this is a real
5: thing. This, this, and, and, this is and, what uh, I would say go to ahead, you. Go ahead. This is what I'd say to you. I mean, the, the business activities of the adult children of politicians is a disturbing area, right? I mean, it's it's fraught with potential problems. And so it seems to me what we need to do is kind of come up with a bit of a scale of nuance here. So, so I would say this is worse than Secret Service agents wearing red ties at the Trump White House on Election Day, but it's not nearly as bad as Ivanka and Jared running half the government. How about that? Why don't we put it right in the middle between those
4: two things? Uh, this is a massive bribery scam. This will end up being $15, $20 million in out-and-out out
5: bribery. It's uh, awful. You too much. You're making too much out of it. No. Trivial I mean, yeah, They're getting a the Democrat
0: pass. About. They're getting a Democrat pass, and actually <laughs> that pass is about to expire. Gentlemen, I got to go. Great stuff. Allison Mark, you. I'll be right back. See you. Enjoyed it. Stand by for Stinchfield.